All right. Um, let's see how that goes. Uh, hopefully this will have solved the lagging issue because uh, apparently it's uh, completely impossible to just have things work twice in a row with exactly the same configuration. But no worries. This is Stefan Molyneux from Free Domain, and we are going to talk tonight about what I think should happen with regards to coronavirus. Should we stay home? Should we leave uh, the planet? <laughs> Should we stay home? Should we go back to work? This is all, you know, very, very important and big questions. And I'm going to step you through my thinking. This is, of course, a very, very big topic. And it matters, of course, an enormous amount to all of us what has been uh, going on or what choices we get to make. So I hope that you will be patient. It's going to take a little while to sort of step through my reasoning as to why I'm going to make the recommendations that I make. And hopefully this will all be sensible and common sense and all kinds of good stuff to you. And uh, all of that will make sense. Now, let me just make sure I'm here on the chat with you all and see when that is going to show up for me. I know there's a couple of people, a bunch of people in here now. We're just going to wait for another minute or two to um, to get in. The good news is, oh, yeah, well, no drop frames. That's what we like to see because we're cruising in at a tidy 30 frames a second tonight. All right, so let's just wait for a couple more people to come in. And uh, then once I get uh, the chat up here on YouTube, then I can get going. Why it keeps telling me I don't have any upcoming streams is kind of <laughs> beyond me. But uh, let's see. Manage streams. Ah, technology. It is so very helpful and so very not helpful all at the same time. But uh, I want to check, of course, the sync is working and all of that. And uh, I will okay, maybe I'll just go to my my channel and try going in from there. I'm just not getting any any stream here. Let's see, let's see. Ah, uh, there's nothing better than having a trim later on. All right. Live now. Okay, let me go here. Pause that. I do actually have some good things uh, to tell you. Is this good? Okay, all right. Well, I'll just wait for people to join in. This is, I guess, this is the presentation that I have been building up for for the last couple of months since I started covering coronavirus back in January. I first called it as a pandemic back in January and referred to it as uh, with a listener from Hong Kong as China's Chernobyl, which is not accurate. It's far worse than Chernobyl, of course. So there's going to be, for, for those of you who've watched me for a while, this is going to be some retreads. So I'll try to keep it relatively short. For those of you who've not watched me before, this is going to go at just the right pace for you because really, really important. This is a giant, terrifying, horrifying, exhilarating educational opportunity here, which I really want to use because, you know, when evil things occur, what choice do you have but to try and turn them to as good as possible when I was uh, younger? You know, one of the few kind of evil people in my life when I was younger. Actually, the only book he ever gave me was a book called The Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis. And neither of us were religious at the time, of course. And in it, it's about an older devil counseling a younger devil on how best to seduce people 
not into the dark side, so to speak, because there's all that electrical emperor, let your hate flow through you stuff that works with the dark side, but it's kind of like the gray side, like the the last in the fog side, the time-wasting side. That's, you know, most, most people aren't particularly evil or particularly good. They can be swayed either way, but the more you can get people to not be attentive to the evils in the world, the more those evils can spread and grow. And, you know, the inertia of the indifferent is the great hole by which the flood of evil flows through and uh, sinks us all. And in that book, I remember very clearly there was a section which was talking about how you use the devil's temptations to become more virtuous. So if the devil tempts you with lust, be more chaste. If the devil tempts you with greed, then be more ascetic. If he tempts you with envy, then help others more. In other words, let the evils that you're tempted with stimulate your virtues. And that is a very, very cool thing to do. And it's something I've always thought of whenever I face adversity. And by God, I have faced adversity in my life uh, as a child involuntarily, as an adult more voluntarily. Although I would say, given my skills and capacities such as they are, I do feel I have kind of an obligation to do what I can to help the world. And if I'm good at communicating, if I'm engaging to listen to, and if I'm smart and know how to explain things and understand things, then it's a really good thing for me to do. It's kind of like an obligation that is important. Of course, I still have free will and I can choose not to, but, you know, it's kind of like if you're having dinner with, you know, some young hottie and and the guy next to you starts choking on his piece of halibut and you know the Heimlich maneuver, do you have to go save his life? No. But what if you don't? (laughs) You're kind of an intergalactic D-bag if you don't, right? So that's kind of the obligation that I feel that I have, and I've always tried to, and will continue to try to, of course, try to be as honest, as concise, as clear as possible. And that, of course, is going to be the goal tonight. So without further ado, let's try and make as much good as we can out of the evil that's around us in the time that we have both alone and Together, now tonight, let's try and learn as much as we can about the evils that beset us and make no mistake about it, evils they are. Okay, so the first thing to understand about my recommendations is that it's very hard for us to make tough decisions because we haven't really had to for a long time. I don't mean individuals, but I mean society as a whole The last tough decision, say, in America that really had to be made was the Second World War. Now, that's that's a long time ago now. That is a long time ago now, right? That's 80, coming on for 80 years uh, now. And when we run into difficulties in the West, what do we do? We borrow, we print money, we use sophistry, and everything just kind of trundles along. There are individual tragedies, but we don't have to make tough compromises, and we've lost that sense of reality. There is no solution to coronavirus. There are things that we can take that will make our world a lot better because of coronavirus, but there's no solution. Like, please understand that. It is simply balancing costs and benefits. This is really important in life. What is the solution? You're balancing costs and benefits. There is almost never a solution in life. And so... We're not used to balancing costs and benefits, and so you will get, you know, immature, hysterical, reactive people who say, well, we just have to go back to work. Like, 
To hell with it. We just have to go back to work. Okay. But what's the cost of that? And the cost is considerable. Or they say, well, we just have to extend staying at home. Well, okay. There's benefits to that, obviously. But what are the costs of that? And anybody who tries to give you a simple solution to a complex problem who talks about only benefits and no, no costs is probably trying to steal your soul, your future, your money, your time, whatever it is going to be. I remember a long time ago also reading a book, I think it was called The Undercover Economist, and he was talking about, The Economist was talking about all of the financial pundits who say, why are you renting, man? You should just buy. Just buy a house. That way you have real estate. And it's like, that's retarded. It's completely retarded. Because what if you take the money you would have put on a down payment for a house and you invest it in the stock market? I'm not saying necessarily today. (laughs) Or maybe today. I don't know. James Woods could be right. But there's always costs and benefits. If you have the house, sure. You have the real estate. Absolutely. And if you don't have the house and you do something else that's intelligent with the money, then you have that other asset, which, you know, should you buy a house um, at the beginning of Apple Computer, or should you invest in Apple Computer? Well, there's always costs and benefits, and we need to weigh these costs and benefits. And so that's an important thing. And I'm also, the last thing I wanted to say is I do want to try and talk about things that aren't common parlance, that aren't talked about before. So this economic suppression. I think that's the best way to put it. It's not a recession. It's not a slowdown. It's, uh, it's an economic suppression, right? The suppression of economic activity is certainly saving some lives. Let's, let's be clear about that. There's no doubt that it's saving some lives. It's saving some lives, of course, in obvious ways and non-obvious ways as well. So the obvious ways are it is slowing down the spread of coronavirus. Of course, I mean, that's what it's for and it's inevitable and that is what's happening. It's also saving lives in other areas, which is there are fewer people on the roads. There are almost no car accidents going on and, you know, car accident, car accidents kills, what, 30, 35,000 people a year in the States. So uh, there is those uh, savings. There are other savings uh, as well. But there are costs as well. And the costs are just economic because you kind of have to keep the categories the same. Comparing apples to oranges is usually not that helpful. So if you're going to talk about saving lives, then you have to talk about lives that are cost as well. You can't just say, well, we're saving lives, but it's costing us money because those are two separate categories. Try and keep the categories the same, at least for the first round, right? So I did some lookups before talking to you tonight because the seen versus the unseen is like the basic IQ test of a civilization. Are you a civilized person? Well, one of the ways that we know you're a civilized person is you use use your words, not your fists, right? You reason with people rather than force them. But another way that you know if someone is a civilized person is do they see beyond the obvious to the opposite, right? You see beyond the obvious to the opposite. So a traditional example is the government says, hey, I'm going to spend $10 million creating jobs. And it creates a couple of dozen jobs or whatever it is. And people are like, woohoo, you know, those jobs have been created and therefore we're richer, we're wealthier, right? Well, that's the scene. That's what you see. What do you not see? What you don't see? What you don't see is all of the jobs that failed to be created because the government took $10 million out of someone's pocket or out of a bunch of people's pockets, right? 
And this, of course, is why we need philosophy. This is why we need principles. And this is why we need intelligible and intelligent economics. It's the seen versus the unseen. And that's what I want to talk to you. Everyone's talking about the scene. I want to, you know, lift the lid, pull back the wizard's curtain, blow wide the kimono, whatever you want to call it, and talk to you about the unseen, okay? So let's talk about risk. Because that's, to me, what coronavirus really boils down to is risk. Now, for those of you who don't know, the life that I had before I became this philosopher uh, on the uh, internet is I worked for many, many years. I co-founded a software company. I wrote the core code. I was the chief technical officer of a software company that sold environmental management information systems to major corporations. And I dealt with most of the major corporations. I was in the room for the sales. I helped install and negotiated. And uh, I know a lot about environmental regulations, health and safety regulations and uh, pollution controls and so on. I know more than a man should ever know about these things. So here's what happens. A guy is working in a factory, call him Bob, right? And something falls on Bob and he dies. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, this is appalling. This is terrible. We got to do something. And that's a perfectly understandable position to be in. And then what happens is a bunch of people, Bob's family, and I understand why, they said, well, we've got to turn Bob's death into something useful. So let's get a local law passed that says whatever caused Bob's death can't happen or can't be allowed or he can't, and people can't ever be in that situation, right? Okay. So then what happens? Well, uh, then um, someone falls into, I don't know, a vat of radioactive chemicals and emerges with a strange grin on his face, right? And you say, oh, well, we can't, we can't do that anymore. We can't, we can't allow that. You've got to put lids on things. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. And you kind of get the, the point here. What happens is this slow, treacly goo kind of pours over the economy and things get more and more and more restrictive. And it gets more expensive and it gets more complicated. Oh, you know, we'll be, I mean, I remember being on the, seat, the site of a mine for a Fortune 500 or Fortune 100 company that I was selling to, and they were giving me a tour. And this was in America. And I remember the guy saying to me, it really stuck in my head. And it's like these things, like, like nuggets of gold, they stick into my head until years later when they sort of emerge in useful ways. And the guy was driving me around in this big giant tractor. And he was saying, you know, here's the funny thing, right? We got to take a photo. We got to take a, a survey of this whole area before we dig in the mine, right? And it gets to the point where, oh, there was a rabbit warren there. Okay, we're going to lift out the rabbits. We're going to take them somewhere. And then we're going to put them back and we're going to half dig their warren and make sure everything goes back to the way it was before we started. And they're called ESAs, Environmental Site Assessments. And, uh, you know, we've all heard the sort of ridiculous thing, like you can't build the dam because there's a rare form of snail somewhere and all of that. And look, I like snails. I really do. I mean, in butter with a little garlic, they're just fantastic, right? But here's the problem. So what we do as a society is we say we can't risk environmental damage. We can't risk people getting hurt on the job. We can't risk. So, so again, we're kind of well-meaning. But all we're doing is we're looking at the benefits and we're, not, and we're not looking at the costs. So the benefits are, look, the number of accidents has gone down by, you know, X, Y, or Z number, right? Days since accident, right? You, you want to get that into the hundreds or thousands if you can. And so for the last 
you know, ever since Rachel Carson wrote this completely fabricated book called Silent Spring about how DDT was going to kill all the birds by thinning out the eggs and so it was all nonsense and, and DDT is like the the lack of DDT has caused the death of like 60 million plus people uh, by allowing insects particularly mosquitoes and malaria and so on to spread uh, unchecked and it's just been it's been monstrous right and DDT is not not that dangerous at all compared to say mosquitoes with sleeping sickness or malaria or something like that but so basically since the environmental hysteria that was largely driven by communism there will be a <laughs> a subtext here, which I'm going to keep as a common thread running through this conversation, but there began to be this focus on, you know, we got to have clean air, we got to have uh, clean water, we got to have like all of these things. And again, of course, who wouldn't want these things? But that's the benefit. And how many people ever talked about the cost, right? How many people ever talked about the cost? Well, the cost has been huge. The cost has been enormous, and it's kind of what we're paying for now throughout the West. The bill has come due. What do I mean by that? Well, what happens when you make it more and more and more difficult for people to make anything in your country? What happens when the environmental regulations, the health and safety regulations, the license requirements, the bureaucracy, not to mention the unionization and the government monopoly power that is given to those unions. I mean, I remember, oh, gosh, this is going way back. A union guy was saying to me, well, we made all these demands, the boss, and the boss said, I can't afford it. And we were like, no, we're not going back to our people and say, you can't afford it. You got to be able to afford it. And we fought and we fought and we fought. And the guy said, look, I can afford maybe this much, but I can't afford any more, blah, 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 blah. And they said, no, right, because they were filled with all this Marxist garbage about how bosses like Mr. Burns are just sitting on mountains of gold and they're only selfishly hoarding it because of all that garbage, right? And eventually the guy said, well, you know, I'm, I'm losing money every day that the strike is going on. We can't reach any kind of reasonable agreement, so I'm just taking the factory overseas. Well, how was that for a plan, everyone? We wanted a raise, and the raise you got was zero wages, right? And so, we all know the shocking figures about how much manufacturing was bled out of America in particular, although it's happened throughout the West, how much manufacturing was bled out of America. 50,000 jobs a month sometimes. I mean, it was just insane. And people say, oh, it's because there was cheap labor overseas. Oh, come on. There's always been cheap labor overseas. Labor is not actually that huge a component in the overall raw materials to consumer cycle of business activity. And so it was not just the wages, it was everything. And, you know, for those of us who work on the web, like, I wanted to start a philosophy show. Do you know how many licenses I need? Zero. Do you know how many formal credentials I need? Zero. I actually do have a master's degree, and my uh, focus was on the history of philosophy, so I'm, you know, fairly well educated in that, in this area, but I still, I don't, I don't have that. I didn't need to fill out any forms. Uh, I didn't need to uh, have an environmental site assessment for all of the hot air I was going to be releasing into the world. I didn't need any of that. I could just sit down with a webcam, with a camera, with, uh, with a microphone, and I could just talk to the world Boom, 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 done, right? 
And so for those of us who work in technology, who work in these kinds of, quote, unregulated, which is to mean free and highly productive fields, we have it, uh, we have it pretty sweet, right? We don't know what it's like. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine what it's like to try and get a, a business going, like a manufacturing concern or something like that, right? I can tell you because I've worked in that field for many years. It's one of these, you know, one of these strange coincidences that has occurred, wherein I end up with a kind of accidental expertise that has turned out, I think, to be very fortuitous, right? So it is completely crazy. It is completely crazy to try and build these things, which is why people don't. They go someplace where it's a whole lot easier to just get something started, whether it's bribery, as is often the case, say, in places like India, whether it is corruption, as it so often is the case in uh, places like uh, Mexico, if it is general half, if not three-quarter slave labor, as is often the case in places like China. Look, I'm a digital guy. I'm a words guy. I'm a language guy. I'm not a thing guy. I'm not like, I gotta make things. I'm a fun guy, (laughs) but I don't want to make things other than arguments, right? But there's a lot of people out there, like the engineers and the entrepreneurs who just want to make things. They want to, they want something to come off an assembly line that's amazing or cool or doubt, I think, to be very fortuitous, right? So it is completely crazy. It is completely crazy to try and build these things, which is why people don't. They go someplace where it's a whole lot easier to just get something started, whether it's bribery, as is often the case, say, in places like India, whether it is corruption, as it so often is the case in uh, places like uh, Mexico, if it is general half, if not three-quarter slave labor, as is often the case in places like China. Look, I'm a digital guy. I'm a words guy. I'm a language guy. I'm not a thing guy. I'm not like, I gotta make things. I'm a fun guy, (laughs) but I don't want to make things other than arguments, right? But there's a lot of people out there, like the engineers and the entrepreneurs who just want to make things. They want to, they want something to come off an assembly line that's amazing or cool or, well, just plain profitable, right? And for those people, are you going to sit there? I mean, look, look at this Keystone Pipeline that's been going on and the amount of consultation, the amount of bureaucracy, the amount of red tape, this thing could have been done 10 times over in a free market economy. And so people just want to get things done and they can't get things done in the West because we've gotten so paranoid about danger that we've actually exposed ourselves to enormous danger. Enormous, enormous, enormous danger. There is nothing as perilous as excessive safety. I think I read that on a fortune cookie once. It's still true, even though it may have come from a Chinese restaurant. There is nothing more dangerous than excessive safety. You know, like the helicopter moms who's like, oh, don't go out. Uh, don't, don't go around the neighborhood. You could get abducted. You could get beaten up. You could get injured. And so the kids stay home and they get fat and then they get, get heart disease when they're 30 and they die. And it's like, well, how, how safe was that? There is no safety in this world. You can stay home. And you're just exposing society to other dangers. You can make sure nothing ever gets dirty and no one ever gets hurt. Then nothing ever gets built. And then what happens? 
Well, two things happen in particular that I wanted to talk about, which I've got, and I'll put links to all of this below when the show is done. Okay. So because we got hyper-focused on safety, and listen, we know, come on, we know this. This is a, a male-female thing. You know, there's these memes like, why men live less long than women? Why women live longer than men? Because men are doing something goofy and silly or whatever it is. We love risk. You know, when I was a kid, my mom would lock the television in a different room. I would go out onto the balcony of our multi-story apartment building, and I'd crawl along the balcony 30 feet above the ground so I could go watch TV. (laughs) I mean, just don't think about these risks when you are a kid. And, you know, that has its pluses and its minuses. But women in general are very anxious around, you know, safety and injury and so on, which I understand. But at the same time, you've got to be able to explore and uh, get a couple of strawberry knees and and uh, skinned heels of the hand and all that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, it's, I mean, I have this with my wife too, right? My wife is very cautious, which is a great thing because women are wonderful when the kids are very young. And then, you know, when they got to go explore. So as women got more and more political power, we got more of this, things can't be dirty and no one can get hurt, you know, which is why when I was a kid, we were out, you know, climbing trees and building forts and wrestling in the mud. And, and you know, the girls were, uh, what are they, having little tea parties and <laughs> all this, dressing up dollies and so on. And, yeah, there's lots of exceptions, but let's not kid ourselves. There's a little bit this way. Women are kind of wired to take care of the death magic magnet uh, toddlers from sort of zero to seven. And then, you know, it's supposed to be a little bit more of a shift so that the men take over and encourage a little bit more more risk, right? You know, the, the walk it off as opposed to, oh, you know, that kind of stuff, right? So, you know, as women got more political power, well, we can't get anything dirty and you can't get injured. And it's like, okay, so now what? Well, now people are dying more. People are dying more. So when the manufacturing jobs went overseas because of our OCD, pristine, no one can get hurt and nothing can get dirty obsession, our paralyzing, puritanical obsession with cleanliness and safety, what happened? Well, people got thrown out of work by the millions. It's the Rust Belt, right? And, you know, this is why the learn to code thing was kind of offensive. There are some people who love the abstract discipline of computer coding, and there are some people who find that incredibly boring. And they were fantastic at shop class. You know what I wasn't great at in shop in school? Shop class. Yeah, I think I kind of gave that away, right? I was programming computers all weekend, but in shop class, I basically just hid out and, uh, you know, made the same stupid cut-your-thumb-off metal box over and over again because I hated shop class. It just didn't move me. It didn't... I didn't care about it. It didn't... Like, it wasn't cool. Computers were cool. Whereas... For other people, computers are like boring, why would you bother, typing away, hunched over like Gollum. And they're like, I want to actually make something. And I've known this. I had neighbors uh, once, like they just terraforming their entire backyard. They put in a pond, they put in a shed, they put bees, they <laughs> raise dogs. It's like, I'm tired just looking at you people. I mean, it's amazing, right? So the people who love to build stuff, they got completely shafted with this hyper-cleanliness obsession, right? And what happened? Well, the jobs got lost by the millions. By the millions. And then what happened? Well, this is a conclusion that comes out of a study. I think this is in New Zealand, but I've seen other studies that are similar here. B. 
Being unemployed is associated with a two- or three-fold increased relative risk of death by suicide compared with being employed. Being unemployed is associated with a two- to three-fold increased relative risk of death by suicide. So that's important, right? If you have no purpose, if you have no life, if you've got no reason to get up in the morning, you may love it for a little while. We look for leisure, but leisure is a predator that will swallow us whole. We think we're hunting it. It turns out it hunts us pretty well. Just have a look at the stories of people who won the lottery for how nightmarish this becomes. So, boom. Oh, look, we're keeping everyone safe by shipping all of our manufacturing overseas. Funny story. They're dropping like flies from suicide, and it's not just suicide. Let's look at addiction. This was a meta-study, which means it studied a whole bunch of other studies. Main results are as followed. Risky alcohol consumption associated with hazardous binge and heavy drinking is more prevalent among the unemployed. They are also more likely to be smokers, to use illicit and prescription drugs, and to have alcohol and drug disorders, abuse and dependence. Problematic substance use increases the likelihood of unemployment and decreases the chance of finding and holding down a job, right? So you can't find a job, you get involved in these terrible activities, and then you can't get a job. It kind of walls you off a little bit here, right? Unemployment is a significant risk factor for substance use and the subsequent development of substance use disorders. Uh, unemployment increases the risk of relapse after alcohol and drug addiction treatment. Uh, and um, there's mixed results, unemployment and smoking cessation. Now, drinking and smoking patterns appear to be pro-cyclical. We see a decrease in both when the economy declines and the unemployment rate increases. In contrast, a counter-cyclical trend was observed amongst adolescent drug users. However, these studies did not provide, do not provide any convincing or additional information about substance use amongst the unemployed. So that is a big uh, challenge. So problematic substance use increases the likelihood of unemployment, decreases the chance of finding and holding down a job. Unemployment is a significant risk factor for substance use and the subsequent development of substance use disorders. And so if people are out of work, that is a problem, right? They can end up in these situations where they get stuck in unemployment they end up being so bored and so restless that they end up going out, partying, and, and uh, you know, with money. Easy come, easy go. You get an unemployment check. You get a welfare check. And um, what happens? Well, um, you, go, uh, you go party. You go drink. The other thing, too, like it eats up your day. You go drinking all night. You're kind of distracted in the evening. And then you get to sleep in till noon or 1 or 2 o'clock. Man, you, you're unemployed and bored and, and lonely. You're getting up at 7 o'clock in the morning. Man, you've got a long day ahead of you. But you go out drinking and uh, uh, and then you can just, you know, kind of piss away your day, right? And because of that... We have a situation where you know what it's like with this uh, addiction uh, disorders. It is a big, big problem, right? And that is uh, monstrous. You know, we've got 70,000 people in the U.S. dying from drug overdoses every year. That's like, what is that, about the same, give or take, as Vietnam every single year? That is really a uh, a mess, right? That is really a mess. And that is uh, that is no good. 
So percent of the population 18 and older by employment status reporting consumption of any illegal substance in the previous month. month. So if you're working full-time, uh, you know, it's 7 8%, part-time over 10%, and it's close to 20% if you're unemployed. Two to three times, right? Two to three times. And that is not great at all, right? So, you know, have have we saved lives by making it so difficult to start a manufacturing firm, a, a factory in the West? No. I, I think I would argue. I think it's a good cause to argue um, that we've actually cost more jobs. Sorry, we've cost more lives. We've cost more lives. Of course, we've cost jobs, but we've cost more lives by driving manufacturing overseas because of suicide, because of increased alcohol consumption, increased cigarette consumption, increased drug consumption. And, you know, up here we're talking like uh, marijuana, cocaine, heroin, crack, pain reliever, illegally acquired, any illegal drug. These are big, big situations. A person who moves from employment to unemployment observes an increase in his or her odds of consuming illegal drugs. So that's, uh, that's important, right? We got drug addiction. We, and also there's promiscuity. People get bored. There's kids out of wedlock. There's irresponsibility. All of this kind of stuff, which is not solely but singularly or so directly causal, causal in the issue of... Um, driving manufacturing overseas. So what do we want? We want it to be safe, you see? We want it to be safe. We, nothing gets dirty and no one gets hurt. Well, people's veins get dirty with illicit drugs and people get really hurt through suicide, overdosing, and, you know, all of the issues that come. You know, I, I would assume, I don't know, I haven't seen the data. Uh, actually, let me just look it up. Let, let's have a quick look. Let's do this live, shall we? Eh, there's a reason we do these things live, right? So unemployment... Because, you know, you think of the people, uh, they're unemployed for a while, they smoke a lot, and maybe that shows up for them later uh, badly, right? Um, they get lung cancer, they get emphysema, they get COPD, that kind of stuff, right? And case studies and exercises on unemployment. Yeah, it looks a bit, looks like it's uh, it's hard to find. But I would assume that people who are unemployed, they get kind of lazy, they get lassitude, they get enervated, which is the opposite of kind of what it sounds like. And uh, it's just bad. It's just bad all around. So have we made ourselves safer by driving manufacturing overseas? Well, of course, the answer is, is no. Okay, so I really, really wanted to make that point. I think that's really, uh, really important. So let's look at the slowdown, right? So this economic suppression, the goal of it, of course, is not to eliminate coronavirus, which you can't do. The goal is to reduce the R naught from what do we hear? Three, four, five, six, whatever it was, the multiples of people who can get infected by an individual, to slow down the flatten the curve, they called it, slow down the rise so that the countries could get ready for the onslaught or the second wave, or when everything goes back to normal, then you get a big increase, right? So has this occurred? Are governments ready? Are health systems ready? Well, uh, I don't think so. And I don't think they're going to get ready in particular. So what did they do? Well, you know, what's interesting is that there are dozens and dozens of countries 
you know, we're all one big happy family until the disasters occur. And then what happens is, well, the walls come down, or I guess the walls go up in this case, right? So there are dozens and dozens of countries that have forbidden the exporting of things like masks and ventilators and respirators and gloves and all that kind of stuff that's necessary for a pandemic. They have stopped all of the exporting of that, and that is terrible. I mean, we've got Justin Trudeau up here sending plane loads of medical supplies to China. And now, I mean, everybody's heard the flip-flopping back and forth. Uh, the, the science says, wear masks. And the World Health Organization and a lot of governments around there saying, ah, masks, you don't need them. They're actually counterproductive, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's, I mean, that's complete garbage. And anybody who's watched any kind of medical show on television, what's the first thing they do is they slap on a mask. Of course they do, right? And then you gotta, you got to act with that paper, <laughs> that paper mouth, right? Well, it's colossal garbage, right? If they had masks, we'd have, I think, a very important solution, right? So masks, as you know, I'm sure, very important for three things, right? The first, of course, is it does actually prevent the massive spread of uh, sneeze or even of talking of things like that. It does trap the viruses inside the mask. It may puff out a little bit through the top, but it's much less, right? That's number one. Number two, it does prevent you from touching your mouth and your nose in particular. You know, they say touch your face. It doesn't matter if you touch your face. You're not going to get a virus through your face. You're going to get a virus through your mucous membranes, through your nose, through your mouth, through your eyes if you rub them and so on, possibly. It's not, not as big a transmission avenue, obviously, as your mouth and so on, but... Uh, and the third thing, of course, is that as you breathe in, let's say you get coronavirus, I mean, to take a silly set of numbers, you want to get 10 coronaviruses, not 1,000, because 10 will just make you a little sick, but 1,000, you know, could put you in the ground. I know it's not 1,000, but you know what I mean, right? So it reduces the dose of what you're putting out. It also reduces the dose of what you're bringing in, right? So everybody should be having a mask. I mean, when I was out shooting a documentary with John Dutoit, Last September, um, basically a month before it all started, I mean, there was half the population in Hong Kong was in masks. I didn't quite understand that. I'm like, was everyone sick? It's like, no, but just in case they are, I don't want to spread it, right? So uh, governments should have been getting ready for all of this, are they? Well, I don't think so, because a lot of them, of course, have ordered masks from China. And China appears to be very happy to sell masks that, A, don't work, and B, are sometimes infected with coronavirus, which to me is kind of like an act of war. But the whole damn thing sounds like an act of war to me. Uh, that perhaps is a topic for another time. So we're all slowing down with the hope and with the goal that governments are going to be ready for what's coming. And uh, it's governments. Of course, they're not going to be ready for what's coming because they weren't ready for what came before. Uh, on the plus side, at least, um, Donald Trump is sending out noises about putting funding for the World Health Organization on hold. Of course. I mean, the head of the World Health Organization is a committed Marxist from Ethiopia uh, who was accused of covering up a bunch of cholera epidemics, who praised dictator Robert Mugabe and uh, is just, and of course, is a, a bootlicker for China. And China worked really hard and pressured really hard for him to become the head of the World Health Organization. So the World Health Organization is just a communist infested Western and freedom hating monstrosity and uh, should be showing up at the tail end of a Pink Floyd film rather than in charge of the world's health because they've just been lying and covering up for China and, oh, there's no evidence of human-to-human -human transmission and you shouldn't have to wear masks and you shouldn't close the borders. I mean, it's like they really could not have facilitated the spread of this godforsaken disease anymore if they had tried. Just like the media, right? The media swings from one pole to another, just as you expect from people who just hate 
most people in the world, I mean, really are a bunch of misanthropes in the media, because what you want to do is you want to make sure the borders stay open, call everyone who tries to protect themselves a racist, and uh, tell everyone to go hug everyone in Chinatown and, and uh, make sure to attend all of these giant rallies and then swim to the, swing to the other extreme and say, we're all going to die. I mean, this is exactly what you would expect. It's a bait and switch, right? So um, at least there's a possibility that the half a billion dollars a year that the government of America hands over to the communists in charge of the World Health Organization, you know, let's, let's stop that, okay? Let's stop funding that, you know? There's an old saying from the... From the uh, the Marxists say that the capitalists will sell them the rope that they used to hang the capitalists with. It turns out it's really the government as a whole. So I think that the slowdown has not been quite as helpful as people expect. It certainly has slowed down the transmission rates to some degree, but I don't think governments are going to be particularly ready. And one of the main reasons they're not going to be ready is because they're not allowing the free market to supply what the free market needs to supply. It's so weird. Like in every emergency created by the government, people say, oh, my God, oh, my God, we desperately need masks. We've got to go to the government. <laughs> go to the government for masks is like going to the Soviets for your car. You end up with a larder that half blows up every time you try to start it. So staying home, of course, is not bulletproof. You know, for those who live in houses, yeah, okay, it's it's uh, not too bad, right? I mean, but, you know, a lot of people live in apartment buildings, right? Particularly in cities, uh, the vertical ice cube trays of these modern condo units. A lot of people live in apartment buildings where they're touching everything, the elevator buttons, the laundry, the door handles, the you name it, right? And so for those people, I mean, one person goes out, gets it, comes home, touches something. I mean, unless you're really fastidious, and even then it's not perfect, that's uh, going to be uh, that's going to be an issue, right? So, if this is the sort of crest, or we're at the top of the crest of the first wave, which appears to be the case, it's hard to peer down into the future. Uh, and given that increased unemployment uh, is going to, people are going to get suicidal. People are going to start turning to drugs. And I actually have a theory. I mean, this might not happen in some ways because um, people. Uh, people who are really, really depressed often do so because they can't really find a cause or a reason to be unhappy. Now there is a reason to be unhappy. You know, there's a communist virus uh, loose in the world, not the one I've been talking about for 35 years, but something just a little bit more tangible that shows up in a blood sample. And so it may be that because there is an external source of dissatisfaction, it might relieve some of their internal negativity and it might actually be a bit of an inoculation against self-destructive behavior. I don't know. I mean, that's a possibility. We'll certainly see. But for me... The way that I would think we should go forward, and please, I'm no doctor. I'm just some guy giving giving my opinion here. But uh, let's let's get out there and everybody use masks. Everybody use masks. Now, does that mean I think a law should be passed that everyone should use masks? No, I'm not a law, point a gun at people kind of guy. But um, you know, just just rely on social ostracism on. Uh, uh, you know, you can't come to work unless you wear a mask. Or, you know, just, you'll find, society will figure it out. Society will, like, you know, if, if you'd say to society, oh, you know, we're going to shut down schools for months, people would be like, oh, my God, there'll be chaos. And I'd like, no, we adapt. We are a supremely and sublimely adaptable species. So we'll find a way to get people to use masks without coppers going up, what's all this lip thing then, right? You don't want any of that, right? At least I don't, I don't want any of that, right? Now, you can, of course, make, make masks at home. 
and you can look lots of videos about how to do that and um, I've been doing that and uh, it's pretty good. I actually kind of like, because I'm a little famous, right, it's kind of nice to go out with a mask because there's less people like, oh, I love your show, right? I, mean, I love the listeners, don't get me wrong, but it's actually kind of an interesting experience to go out and be not recognized because, you know, I've got the uh, mask of Zorro on, so to speak. Oh, no, that's the one over the eyes, isn't it? Who's the Lone Ranger? The Lone Ranger mask, that's the one, right? So the slowdown, of course, should have been to ensure that masks and gloves are as cheap and available as possible, but the intergalactic goofballs in charge went to China to get their masks, and, you know, there was a story in Toronto, what was it, $200,000 worth of masks, uh, 63,000 and change masks, were found to be terrible. And they were handed out, and of course, people went and did their jobs with these masks that were completely faulty. You could blow out a candle right through them. They weren't stopping what they were supposed to be stopping. And so people went into proximity with coronavirus. I assume that a lot of these went to people who were going to old age homes. Maybe some of them went to uh, nurses, doctors, and so on. So they went in the vicinity of coronavirus with masks that didn't really work at all. And that's unbelievably horrifying and terrifying uh, of course, you should lift all of these restrictions on manufacturing. Like, we have to get used to, you know, you can't just make everything clean and perfect. You know, it's like raising some kid in a bubble, you know? You never touch a peanut. You never touch a blade of grass. You never go outside. You never get dirty. And it's like, and then he goes out and he just falls over because he's got, his immune system never had any exercise. He's got no antibodies. So this boy in a bubble, human containment will keep everything safe and clean and perfect is a recipe for disaster. And this disaster, of course, is is occurring, right? I did a rant today on the sort of uh, the anti-white nature of Marxism as it's kind of manifested itself because a lot of the rich countries are white and a lot of the poor countries are non-white. And Marxism just says, well, the rich countries are white and the, the white rich countries are rich because they stole from you. And there's all this rage and resentment and, and all of that. So, uh, of course, you stop funding the UN, stop funding the World Health Organization, just keep your money home, man. Just keep your money home. These organizations are all ridiculously corrupt. You know, corruption is one of the biggest issues in the world, in the world. You know, the poor could be fed 80 times over with the proceeds of corruption. In other words, if people weren't corrupt, you'd have enough to feed the poor 80 times over, uh, which, you know, sounds nice, but then, well, you just get more poor people, which is a a, a problem, unless there's a good, good old free market. So, you have to repeal the regulations that prevent manufacturing. You have to bring this kind of stuff home. You just have to bring it home. And you have to stop funding the globalist corporations, the, the globalist, uh, in particular, agencies, the alphabet agencies and so on, the UN, the World Health Organization. Now, just stop funding those things. Just stop funding those things. I, don't, I mean, it's, it's horrifying and, and it's horrible. You need to let the free market start producing uh, the masks. And I believe that the stay-at-home orders should be lifted and the information should be very clear that I think going to or going to work with masks on is probably, I think, at the tipping point of saving the lives that could be lost to suicide or drug addiction or risky behavior or people just sitting on their asses for a month or two, which, you know, at some point there's a tipping point where people start to get sick from inactivity. And so there's that issue as well. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know, people kill their capacity to get an erection by endlessly wanking off to porn to the point where they've got Popeye arms on one side and can lift a truck with that arm and can't scratch their nose with the other, right? So there's a lot of things that are going on. Of course, 
you know, there could be friction in relationships and people getting beaten up or murdered or who knows what, right? So at some point, there is a tipping point where putting on a mask and going back to work is going to, of course, you know, stress is bad for you as well. Stress is bad for your health. And if you can't pay your bills and you're worried about things, then, of course, that's bad for you as well. So I think at some point, I'm not a mathematician, so I'm sure somebody can grind these numbers and some will be valid-ish. You know, I mean, there will be valid-ish. That's, you know, it's close enough, I think, for these kinds of purposes, right? But at some point, going back to work with masks on is safer than everybody staying home, you know, getting fat, getting lazy, getting drunk, smoking weed, uh, getting suicidal, being lonely. Like, okay, so for those, remember the people who are out there, um, like a friend of mine was was calling me today and said, I can't believe how crowded the grocery stores are for people who aren't even picking up that much. And it's like, well, yeah. You know, for those of us who have, you know, loved one in our lives, we, we, we're happy to be home with them. It's a great time. We don't really remember probably what it's like if you're just alone like you're just alone day after day you don't even get to go to work and pretend to have relationships with people over the cubicle walls like you're just alone so people who are that lonely not only do they show up in fairly mediocre paul mccartney songs but they also show up in doctor's offices Uh uh you know like I, i i just i get 10 minutes conversation with the doctor who'll Ask me how I'm doing, you know, this is substitute relationships. And, you know, these are the people who hang out in coffee shops and just try and strike up conversations awkwardly, obviously, with with strangers, like loneliness, just like we're social animals, like we're dogs, not cats. It eats us up alive to be lonely. Loneliness is a huge health risk, like sitting is the new smoking and loneliness is the new sitting is the new smoking. So there are people whose mental health is going to be significantly compromised and weakened, perhaps to the point of cracking, because they're alone. So yeah, people are going to be just going out because they can't stand the walls closing in, you know, New Hope style. So we have to get back to work, and the way to do it is with with masks on, and there is this pushback from a lot of media people, from the World Health Organization, from uh, you, you, you name it, a bunch of... Like, they just don't like the mask thing. And I think there's a number of reasons for that. I mean, they do hate the free market and they want to destroy the existing economy, right? Uh, for a variety of reasons. I mean, it's unjustly acquired. It's uh, a mark of how communism fails and capitalism succeeds and all that. So they want to wreck the economy, And the way to do that is to frighten people to the point where they just stay home. And again, I'm not an epidemiologist, I'm not a doctor or anything like that, but it seems to me that at some point, if you crunch the numbers, there's a tipping point where going back to work with masks on is is going to save more lives than people stressed out, eating too much, um, drinking, using cocaine, pot, uh, crack and sleeping around and, and all of that. Like at some point there there is a tipping point. My gut, which is not any kind of argument, I know, my gut says that we're kind of at that uh, tipping point. So I think that is really important. It's got to repeal all the regulations that prevent the manufacturing because it turns out, you see, putting the manufacturing right down the moor of a communist totalitarian hellhole that employs slave labor that keeps 
two million Muslims in concentration camps and tries to force, get them to force quit their belief system that regularly opens up Falun Gong political prisoners to sell their organs on the black market for people who want transplants. Turns out that uh, you don't actually gain a lot of goddamn security by outsourcing your manufacturing, in particular the manufacturing of your medicines, 80-85% now manufactured in China. It turns out that you've given communism a massive leverage over your life, your economy, your existence, your sanctity, and all of that. So that's repeal the regulations that prevent manufacturing. And when people, when stuff does fall on people's heads and they die, say yes. But remember what happened the last time we tried to make everyone safe? We just about wrecked our entire country permanently. And, you know, tens of thousands of people or maybe hundreds of thousands of people ended up dying. So let's not have this, oh, we'll just ship everything overseas and everything will be fine because it turns out it gives evil people a huge amount of control and power over us, which is not a good place or a good situation to be in. What was the Brazilian politician got into trouble today for intimating that this was part of China's plan to dominate the world? No, I don't think China released it intentionally. I think it did get out of a bioweapons lab because I have a brain and can process at least those statistics. But it's not that it was intentional. It's just that once it's out, of course, they're going to try and make every conceivable move they have, right? I talked about this in my documentary. You should really check it out. Freedomain.com. Click on documentaries. It's the first on the list. Hong Kong, fight for freedom. I talked about how the century of humiliation was, you know, the 1840s when the British first took uh, Hong Kong and other places in the Opium Wars, then there was a second Opium War, and China remained subjugated and unfree in many ways, according to the history written by the communists, of course, until 1949, they become a communist country, and uh, it's just hell from there on in for everyone involved, except a couple of communists who enjoy the sadism and wealth that comes from torturing an entire country and starving it half to death. And so China has had a great deal of vanity in its history, and the fact that it was overshadowed and the sort of white European culture and economy sprinted past the Chinese economy and the Chinese civilization, so to speak, it's deeply humiliating. And this is not a culture that deals very well with humiliation. Saving face and and, uh, being socially one-up is a very, very big deal. It's like in Japan. Like People in Japan will have operations so that they don't blush. They will actually have the blood vessels that cause blushing cut because they don't want to show that they're feeling embarrassed or humiliated or anything like that because it's that touchy uh, a situation in the system. So China has been looking to get back on top for quite some time. And uh, it will virtually stop at nothing to be able to achieve that. So in order to help, to help the guy who is now the head of the World Health Organization, they offered to build a, um, a big facility, a medical facility. I think it was a bio facility for like $50 million or something like that. And, you know, that's a lot of money. It's a huge amount of money. So, yeah. Um, we, we need to talk about risk and reward we need to talk about risk. We kind of need to revamp the whole educational system so that it focuses on an avoidance of easy solutions. Now, of course, to do that, you probably have to have a whole bunch of new teachers. You know, maybe just just maybe throw a few more testicles in the blender there, uh, throw a few more men in who are pretty good at balancing risk and reward, which is why we have a civilization fundamentally. But uh, none of these these easy answers is just terrible for children. It's just terrible for children. You know, well, we have to have environmental regulations to keep 
keep everything clean. It's like, you know, um, it, it pollutes people's blood vessels with fentanyl and their lungs with marijuana and their noses with cocaine. And it pollutes their necks with nooses from suicide. So now revamp education to talk about risk or at least bring it up with your kids, right? Repeal regulations that prevent manufacturing. Let people go back to work, but let's be honest about masks and their efficacy, right? You don't need this N95 claustrophobic Darth Vader helmet. I mean, gosh, I mean, I showed pictures months ago of people with like giant water bottles on their heads and stuff like that. But I mean, you can you can come up with a reasonable mask and you can do a lot to prevent transmission because it's going to go through the population sooner or later. It's going to go through the population. Now, of course, we've had a chance to delay. We've had a chance for governments to try and do the right thing. But at some point, there is that tipping point, as I said, where you're costing more lives than you're, you're saving. So that we have to uh, get used to. Now, here's another issue as well, right? Now, this comes from, I mean, I've heard all of these wild things. I don't know whether they're true or not. And people say, oh, well, the, it, was, it was actually developed, the coronavirus was developed in 2015 at the University of Chapel Hill in North Carolina, and then it went here, and then it went there, and then ended up in China. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'll keep digging, and I'll, I'll try and find some way through this, these rabbit holes, right? Because, uh, you know, this kind of stuff, it brings out some remarkable information, but it also brings out some lunatic crazies. So I got to navigate this, you know, carefully and, and responsibly, of course, right? But here's something I do know. You have, as a society, we have, as a society, a huge problem. When we have immigration from totalitarian countries, it is a huge problem huge risk factor, and I think it has a lot to do with the problems that we have now. So people, of course, have heard of the uh, massive theft of Western technology, of Western intellectual property, of Western bioweapons uh, from Western laboratories by Chinese scientists, right? Now, that's sort of a big, a big question, right? Okay, why? I mean, if, if you leave China because you don't like communism, and you come to the West because you like freedom, then why would you massively compromise the safety and security of the West by grabbing and shipping dangerous viruses back to China, which has actually happened according to reports that I've read. I think it was somebody in Canada who was caught trying to get some really, really dangerous stuff across the border. Well, the reason, so this is why you have a huge security issue with people who have immigrated to your country from totalitarian regimes. Why? Because their family is still there. And I haven't heard anyone talk about this, but this seems really, really important to me. So you've got to imagine, right? You're someone from China. You hate the Chinese Communist Party. You come to the West, but you've got extended family who's still back in China. And you get that little call, right? And that little call says, uh, yeah, I'm from the uh, CCP. I'm from the Revolutionary Guard. I know you don't like us. We don't care. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to ship a vial over from Winnipeg. And you're like, no. Okay. Well, um, you know, funny story, completely unrelated. We've just noticed that we think that your family members are in the Falun Gong. And you know what happens to those people? Imprisoned, tortured, cut open while still alive and had their organs sold to rich sociopaths from all over the world who want to Lestat style live another couple of years longer. Yeah, we're very, very concerned that your family are Falun Gong members. So... 
You know, if, if you can manage to get us that uh, sample there, I'll make sure that their Falun Gong membership never reaches the attention of the inner party. But, you know, if you don't, uh, you know, it's, uh, hey, it's, it's out of my hands. You know, it's, uh, it's just going to have to take its course, right? What are you going to do? When you can't bring your, all your family over, they won't let them out. You can't go back because then you haven't done what they want and you'll be marked. What do you do? It is way too easy to compromise people in your country who come from totalitarian states because the leverage that the governments have over the families that they've left behind is so powerful and so strong that even the best intentioned of people can be so easily compromised by a brutal government that will destroy their family if the immigrants don't do what they want. That's a fact. That's a fact. And I say this because, you know, I like a lot of Chinese people and I don't think that they come over to do this espionage. I mean, okay, some of them do, right? But I think a lot of them are just compromised because they care about their family, right? And the communists don't care about anybody but themselves, but they know, like a sociopath does, but I repeat myself, they know that you care about your family and they'll use that against you. Having attachments in a world of sociopathy is having an open wound that people can work with their wet fingers to get you to do what they want, Geppetto style, right? So that's a big, big problem. Should countries allow immigration from totalitarian regimes? I don't believe so. And with all due sympathy for the people in those totalitarian regimes, I get it. I get it. But the risk is too great. The risk of compromise, the risk of security issues, the risk of theft, the risk of transmission is so great. And now, of course, you know, it's not like you've got the, what to call the pumpkin papers. Uh, you can look that up. Um, and Calder has a great story about all of that. But um, now you can just hide things uh, in your luggage and planes. You can smuggle things up your ass. You can uh, transmit stuff over the internet. I mean, it's, how are you going to do it? How are you going to deal with immigrants from countries where they can do the bidding of the totalitarian regime because that regime is willing to threaten their family. That's a huge problem and really needs to be examined. It really needs to be examined. And, you know, for those who say, ah, oh, yes, well, you know, but we have to care so much about the brutalization of people. It's like, yeah, well, you know, if anybody had stood up for me when I was being brutalized as a child, I'd believe that. But, you know, everybody let me slide. I think we can let this slide too. So... That's an issue, right? Now, what about investment from totalitarian regimes? That's a big problem as well. That is a big problem as well. You know, it's funny because let's just take the general view of governments and societies around the world, which is this. America does not negotiate with terrorists. Countries do not, like, they're always looking for money laundering, right? This is why you got to hold up your picture when you start trading in crypto, right? So they're always concerned about money laundering, and they're always concerned about illicit money and so on. It's like, come on. Money from totalitarian regimes is illicit money. It is stolen money. It is. There's no clean money in totalitarian regimes. There's no clean money coming out of Ethiopia. There's no clean money coming out of Saudi Arabia. There's no clean money coming out of China. And if you won't let 
organized crime buy a building, why would you let the disorganized crime of totalitarian states buy a building? Why? I mean, I get that, you know, a lot of people who hold real estate really, really want that money flowing in, but it comes at such a huge cost. So, of course, you need to evaluate countries according to an objective metric, and there are objective metrics by which to do this, economic freedom index, human rights index, and so on. There's ways to do it. Now, not perfect, but it's not a bad place to start. And governments can say, well, which regimes are compromised to the point where there's no clean money. Now, if a regime that gives up live organ transplants on the black market and throws millions of Muslims into concentration camps, just to name two of many of the crimes that the CCP is responsible for, well, if that's not a dirty regime with dirty money, I don't know what is. So... Because you say, well, you've got to keep the real estate prices up. Well, COVID wipes out a bunch of boomers. The real estate price is going to crash anyway, so you didn't really gain anything other than you imported a disease into your country. So that's another thing. Now, the last thing, and I'll, I'll take some questions, right? So I'll, I'll recap, then I'll take some questions. So so here's the thing. Um, the big issue is not the Marxists or the Maoists, I suppose, in China. The big issue is the Marxists in America. I've been hammering this point year after year, decade after decade, that the tens of thousands of Marxists in American universities are destroying the system from within, are destroying freedoms from within. Diana West, author of a great uh, set of books, The Red Thread, American Betrayal, gotta read Diana West. She's been on the show a couple of times. She was talking about how there was research that communists were infiltrating the New York City police, sorry, the New York City school system in 1941. 1941. Their long march through the institutions is almost at its end. And it's really crazy, right? And I think these numbers were low, but here's some numbers. Uh, I'll put again links to this below. About 18% of social scientists in the United States self-identify as Marxists. Only about 5% identify as conservatives. Now, in the general population, what is the relationship between Marxists and conservatives? Well, a little over half of people are conservatives, and just about everyone is conservative about stuff they actually know about. They tend to be liberal about stuff they don't know anything about. Like, you know, if you grow up poor, you tend to be more skeptical of the welfare state than if you've never had anything to do with it other than preening yourself what a good person you are by giving soul-destroying free stuff to the poor. But, um, so yeah, that's one in five. Now, how many Marxists are there in the general population? A couple of percent? Well, they never get very far in voting, so uh, you have a massive overrepresentation of Marxists. Now, these are just people who self-identify as Marxists, right? There are Marxist-Leninists, there are Maoists, there are people who are hard on the left, uh, there are, are uh, communist anarchists and so on, so that's a lot of people. And more than half of people identify as conservatives in America, but only 5% of people in the social sciences identify as conservatives. That's bad. In the social sciences, uh, sorry, um, sociology has the most Marxists at 25.5%. Are you kidding me? A quarter of, sociolo of sociology professors are outright Marxists. And there are lots of people who are hard leftists who wouldn't call themselves Marxists, but kind of in the same camp, right? 25.5%. And that's just the people willing to admit it. I imagine it's quite a bit higher. But that's insane. 
And this is why when people talk about, oh, you got to be scared of white nationalism and you got to be scared of white supremacism, you got to be scared of the neo-Nazis. It's like neo-Nazis are not 25% of people in sociology. This is the corruption. It has to be rooted out, be torn out root and branch peacefully, voluntarily, of course, right? This is the rot from the inside out. Karl Marx is the most assigned economist in U.S. college classes. The most assigned economist in U.S. college classes. And he's not being assigned because he was wrong, though he was. He's being assigned because this is how you get people. So people in the humanities will often end up in the media, right? So they probably grow up among leftist liberal parents. They go to college where they're indoctrinated by Marxists, and then they go with all of this insane anti-freedom, anti-white, often claptrap, they go into the media and then they attack anyone and everyone who criticizes Marxism, like me, right? I mean, this is the crazy thing in this world. I got to tell you, the rage and hysteria that attended me when I would go and speak in Australia, when I'd go and speak in New Zealand, when I would go and speak in Vancouver, in Canada here, when I went to speak in Detroit, I mean, we're talking death threats, bomb threats, physical attacks upon the venue, physical attacks on the people trying to get there, all whipped up by media hysteria and outright lies about me. Outright lies about me. Do you know, people, I don't say the people, but, you know, the media sells to someone. I can't, they're not isolated on their own. People buy the shit, right? But people are more angry and afraid of me than coronavirus. Yay. <laughs> That's the power I have, baby. I mean, it really is crazy. It's so deranged, unless you understand, of course, the infiltration of the Marxists and the fact that I've been a vociferous and, and effective and powerful oppositional person to Marxism. Well, I mean, my whole life, but in the 15 years that I've been doing this, you know, 700 million views and downloads, that is a big shot to the nads of Marxism. So it's just, just so you understand, like from my perspective, you read the articles about me coming to these countries, they're more scared of, enraged at, and screwed up about me coming than a mass-murdering communist virus. Because, you know, people are like, oh, we've got to buckle down, you know, we're not going to get too mad at China. We're gonna... You understand? They're less mad at China for lying the world into a pandemic than for me coming and giving speeches about free speech. <laughs> I mean, this is the world that we live in. It is, it's a clown world like, like it is a clown movie, right? So this is, and I'll, I'll go into all the reasons why, but just so you understand, this is the view that I have of the world. And it is a very real and very valid and very empirical view. This is the view that I have of the world, that people are more enraged of, frightened of, they're more enraged at and frightened of me than they are of the Communist Party that mass murders people and has unleashed a virus on the world. And again, I don't mean that they spread it purposefully, but and they covered it up like crazy. Uh, they denied human-to-human -human transmission. They refused to close their airports. They triggered people in the West, who were basically the West is just repeating Chinese Communist Party propaganda because Marxism and Maoism are two sides of the same coin and all that kind of garbage, right? So... Let me just revamp it because I know this was a long thing. Um, if we're not ready now, I don't think there's any point waiting more. So 
I think that we need to go back to work. I think we need to be wearing masks. Now, if you can't get masks, just make masks. I mean, you'd rather look stupid than dead, right? Than be dead, right? So I think it's time to go back to work and use masks. Of course, the people who can work from home, the people who've gotten used to work from home, I think that's great. I, of course, don't want the kids to go back to school because school is horrible. But this is part of a whole raft of things, right? This is the wake-up. This is how coronavirus could save those of us left standing afterwards, which, you know, of course, will be most of us, right? But let's get the economy back to making things. Let's get rid of these insane regulations that have paralyzed industry, that have shipped it all to horrible regimes overseas, that have driven a wave of opioid crises and suicide crises and promiscuity and out-of-wedlock crises has really dissolved the body politic, in, a body politic in wide swaths of America and all throughout the West. Let's get people back to work. Let's get people in masks. Let's remove all of the restrictions that will have people produce cheap masks. Let, let's let the, the price of masks go up, for God's sakes. Let's stop bailing out everyone. God, that's annoying. For those of us who've denied ourselves in order to save money, that money is now being stripped from us and handed out to people who didn't save. And just about everybody, just about everybody can save money somewhere, right? And if you don't even have a month, maybe, uh, you know, it's the kind of suffering that has you not do it again because, you know, that's important, right? So, yeah, let's get back to work. Let's get in our masks. Stop funding World Health Organization. Stop funding the United Nations. Repeal regulations that prevent manufacturing. Start to review very critically immigration from totalitarian regimes because of the weakness of family members being used as leverage. Investment from totalitarian regimes is far more dangerous than investment from the mafia or other criminal or terrorist organizations. And how do you get the Marxists out of universities? Well, they've got tenure, you see, because, you know, Marxists love exploiting the working classes for their own three-hour-a-week work weeks. So, no, listen, you've got to just be rigorous. I mean, first of all, don't send your kids to college for the arts. Do not send your kids to university for the arts. It will wreck them. It will wreck them. And... It will wreck your relationship with them. You, they will become intolerable. And it, like it's, it's a virus. It's as I said, as I said very early on to this, communism is the real virus. Coronavirus is just how it spreads, right? COVID nineteen eighty four. So don't send your kids. Don't man. Teach them to be entrepreneurs. Get them involved in just a pure business school. Get them doing something that is not leftist indoctrination in the arts. It will wreck them. It will wreck your relationship with them, and you are paying to have their minds go through a slow, sludgy, socialist combine harvester that will put them out as malleable pulp for the elites. Please, God above, do not send your kids to university, particularly for the arts. You know, if it's something, you've got to be an engineer, a doctor, a lawyer, okay, whatever, right? But not for the arts. That is absolute, complete, and total uh, abuse uh, against, against the kids, right? Don't do that. Now, if you do, you know, let's say they desperately want to go and study some arts thing, at least don't send them to a place that's got Marxists. At least, like, you, you, you as a consumer, right? You as a consumer have to make this choice. This is an individual solution. I get that you can't review immigration policies from totalitarian regime. I get 
that you can't single-handedly tear down all the regulations that have endangered people by driving manufacturing overseas. I get all of that. But you can bloody well make a choice. If your kids are in those schools, pull them. Get them someplace else. Get them online learning. Get them, hell, they'll watch my show. They can watch tons of people's shows. Uh, Most of the great colleges have courses online, but they only have like five or 10,000 views because, I don't know, there are cats playing piano somewhere, right? But you've got to get your kids out from these Marxist hellholes. Pull them out like you would pull them out of a burning building because that building is your future and their future. So, all right, that's my to-do list. I hope that helps. And uh, let me just turn to some questions from the audience if you would like to... um, uh, ask me questions. I would be very happy to uh, answer them as best I can. I would like them to keep somewhat in this vicinity, but I'm fine if it uh, doesn't work out that way. Let me just um, pop out the chat. Pop out the chat now. Pop out the chat now. Dance, dance, dance. Wow. All right. Will you ever speak in Europe? Uh, I would like to, but Europe has to rediscover the joys of nationalism for just a little while <laughs> before... I come back. I disagree about the artistic degrees being useless. Science versus arts in college is a failure to the pedagogy of teaching. No, I didn't say artistic degrees were worse were useless. They're far worse than useless. They're incredibly dangerous. Why is most media parroting Chinese propaganda? Because the media is inhabited by communists who love the communists in China. My sister, who is a nurse at a Boston hospital, wrote to uh, wrote this to me tonight. I'm at war. I have no words for what I'm seeing and doing. Only one solution, boost your immune system. Well, that's partly what the masks are for. And also get your sleep. Um, take your vitamins if, if you feel that that helps you be safer. Exercise, like do whatever it's, is necessary. Stand in, in the backyard and get some fresh air and all of that. If offered the role of Werner Klemperer in a TV miniseries about his life, would you accept it? I have no idea. I have no idea. What is your opinion on Andrew Cuomo and how he is handling it? Terrible. Uh, of course, right? I mean, it's uh, you can see this, right? So there's there's going to be. Uh, I mean, you might as well prepare yourself for this. It's as inevitable as sunrise, that as the COVID numbers start pouring in, it's going to be wow, you know, boy, it's so racist because blacks are getting it more and uh, Hispanics are getting it more and whites are getting it less and it's racist and and structural racism and poverty and and blah, and lack of access to health. yeah yeah okay. Um, Okay, there's blood pressure differences, there are IQ differences, there are uh, other health differences. I mean, any doctor who treated all the races as identical for purposes of healthcare would be drummed out of the field in a matter of days, right? All right, uh, so there's going to be a lot of differences, right? Steph, in your opinion, how long before we reach the tipping point when the negatives of keeping people inside outweigh the negatives of sending them back to work with masks Oh, I think that we should get ready for that now. I mean, it'll take a little while to implement. I think the people who can stay home should stay home. I'm not a big like the people who are now doing remote meetings. They're not going back to flying all over the place, date, uh, date to uh, like from place to place. So, I think that we should start looking at that now. It'll take a little bit longer. Any chance of a Ben Burgess debate? Uh, I have asked him for that debate. I have not heard anything back from him. Just watching your video on the Great Depression, is this familiar territory we're in now? No, it's very different from the Great Depression because the Great Depression was caused by the paroxysms in money transfers after the First World War combined with um, massive uh, money printing and interest rate controls followed by 13 years of socialist policy. So uh, I believe that we have an opportunity 
to make ourselves more free through this. What is your opinion on unions? I think unions are fine as long as they don't violate the non-aggression principle either directly or through uh, the government's uh, uh, power. Who will be the most standout voice out of this pandemic? <laughs> well, I don't know. How did we ever get out of this mess? Well, I, I'm afraid to just answer that. Do you think David Icke is dangerous? I, um, I don't really know enough about him. Um, I don't think he's physically dangerous. I don't think he hits anyone, in which case he should be protected for free speech. When will the borders open again between the U.S. and Canada? Uh, I think once people start accepting that masks is the way to go from here, I think it will be fairly quickly after that. Should we just let people do what they please? Freedom during pandemics. Um, well, here's the thing. You, you don't want government failures to produce government control because then you're rewarding those in power for creating problems, right? Like, you know how the CDC works, right? Oh, wow, there's a big pandemic. We need lots of money. It's like, well, uh, why do you think they're saying keep the borders open and don't wear masks? I'm not saying it's conscious, but, you know, basic principle of economics is that people respond to incentives. So, of course, they're going to ask for a lot more money because, you know, if, if any funding gets cut for the CDC in a pandemic, I mean, oh, people will go insane. So, of course, this is the way it should work, though, right? If you fail in business, you get less money. If you fail in government, you get more money. And that's a problem, right? Can you please talk about the 5G myth re-COVID-19? Um, I don't like... There doesn't seem to be much of a market demand for 5G. You know, like you're out there in a subway and you can watch Netflix starting like one second. Oh, half a second. I'm willing to take whatever risk there might be. I don't really think that there was, uh, I don't really think that there's much of a consumer demand for 5G, but it's being pushed very heavily, and that is uh, troubling to me. How does a free society handle a pandemic? Uh, well, um, so you mean like a stateless society? How would it handle a pandemic? So there would be people that you would uh, be paying to guarantee your health, right? So it's called health insurance, nothing like the garbage that goes on at the moment in the West, which is uh, all status nonsense, but or mostly status nonsense. But so you would have insurance companies who would say, um, we can only continue to cover people if these steps are taken. And then they will have, be in a very strong position to ensure that those steps are taken. If you look at, you know, if you held airline stocks, I mean, if you held airline stocks, I would be I would be enraged if I were you. Because those airliners, those airlines kept flying back and forth to China, just ferrying that virus all over the place. Why? Why didn't they shut it down for a while? Oh, well, it's bad for business. Hey, you know what's bad for business is everything being shut down. So um, uh, I think that there are lots of incentives. And, of course, you just pay people to go into quarantine, right? I mean, just it's much cheaper than having them go and infect people. So there's lots of different ways to do it uh, in a free society. Uh, let's see here. Why not do a collective pox party, build herd immunity by intentionally infecting those who are at low risk of developing severe symptoms? What are you, crazy? You can't go, you can't go around intentionally infecting people. I don't even know what to say. Of course you can't go around intentionally infecting people. That's just horrifying. Uh, let's see here. China covered it up, COVID-19, since November. I actually think that you'll find that it's been since October myself. Um, that's my uh, 
Bill Gates says, trust him. Yeah, Bill Gates seems to be showing up quite a lot in these kinds of things in terms of patent ownership and all of that kind of stuff. So, yeah. What do you think of Boris Johnson? Well, you know, it's I have an Old Testament and a New Testament side, right? And so I'm sure people will take this out of context. Who cares? Doesn't matter. My reputation can't get any worse among people who hate me. So uh, Boris Johnson, well, um, I'm very sad that he's so ill. He's gone into ICU. I don't know if there's been any updates since I started this show tonight. I'm very sad that Boris Johnson is ill. But the that's the New Testament part of me, and that's the stronger part of me. The Old Testament part of me is like, well, you wanted open borders. You got your goddamn open borders, didn't you? All right. Are you happy to be chipped? I am not going to get uh, chipped, right? Do you have a home workout routine? I certainly do have a home workout routine. So my routine is I will try to walk for at least a brisk walk, 45 minutes a day. I try to get in an hour. If I can do an up and down walk like hills, so much the better. Uh, I will do the bike machine a couple of times a week, 35, 40 minutes on a fairly hard level, and I will do uh, weights a couple of times a week as well. So I uh, do that, and uh, I'm uh, also really trying to think, I'm just trying to think by the by now, where I'm waiting until I'm super hungry before I eat, rather than sort of prevention or whatever. All right. Uh, He's not dead, is he? Do I like Bolsonaro? Uh, More than his opposition, absolutely. Do you currently take calls? If so, where? So the way that you can get a hold of me, ooh, we're doing two now. We're going to do two call-in shows because the demand is huge. And so we're doing a call-in show Friday night, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, just to get the people in Australia. And we're also doing a call-in show on Sundays at 11 a.m. To do that, you will have to get on my Discord server, which you can get access to by subscribing at subscribestar.com slash radio. Subscribestar.com forward slash Free Domain Radio. Have you ever been called insane? <laughs> okay, here's here's your challenge, sausage and bell ends. Think of a pejorative and see if it's not been associated with me. Uh, that that's your game. That's your drinking game, right? Uh, not be long before you hit the magic million. No, no, come on. Uh, YouTube love them in a way, but. They are not going to, um, they're not going to let me get to a million. They don't want to ship that plaque. Uh, we have an uneasy relationship. <laughs> we have an uneasy relationship. Let's just put it, let's just put it that way. They're not going to let me get to a million. Thumbs up. Excellent show tonight. Yeah, please like and share and, and subscribe and all of this kind of stuff. So the talk about the chip. So this is just kind of rumors. Um, the chip topic everyone is going on about. So there's this idea that you will get some kind of, marker of some kind that you have been immunized or that you have got it and recovered or something like that, that you're not sick, maybe, I don't know, right? Now, of course, it can't just be a card because you could hand that around, so they're looking to sort of wire it into you somehow or something like that, so. All right. Um, Do you want to be a world leader? Uh, I do not want to be a world leader. I want to be a leader in philosophy. See, my relationship with you, I don't have a compromise. I don't have to compromise in my relationship with you. Can you imagine me trying to get things done like Trump? I'd throw up in my mouth three times a day just trying to get things done because there would be way too much compromise. All right. Let's see here. 
Would you ever do a video on how one maps themselves on different branches of philosophy, kind of like the political compass test? That is interesting. That is interesting. Have you been keeping up with what's going on right now in South Africa? I do have people who will keep me informed about what's going on right now in South Africa. It's uh, it's pretty bad. Uh, it's, I mean, I would really like to uh, recommend as many people get out as, as can. Are you still cancer-free? Uh, yeah, I am, Mike. I think I'd mention that if I wasn't. Uh, no, I, I don't have cancer. I'm, I'm just getting older. <laughs> so, uh, Steph, do you have a PayPal? I can just send you money. Uh, I, uh, I'm not allowed to have a PayPal account, so uh, you can go to freedomain.com forward slash donate, and you can help me out there. Victor Davis Hansen, yes, it was great to chat with him. Love to have him back on. He is, um, you know, that old cliche, he's a scholar and a gentleman. Well, he really, really is, so... Uh, 98% survival rate, probably higher since we're not all tested. It's a nothing burger. Oh, God. Oh, man, don't make me go on this rant. Oh, you gotta, you gotta up your game if you want to be on this channel, man. You gotta up your brain from this 98% survival rate stuff. Let's say that you're absolutely correct. Let's say that China reported all of the casualties. I've heard estimates as high as 40,000 in Wuhan as opposed to the 2,500 they claim, right? Well, we'll find out. And also that the crematoriums burned coronavirus patients alive. But anyway, let's say China, for the first time in the history of a communist regime, reported something accurately that was negative to that regime. Let's just say that's the case. Let's say everyone who's been sick or who is sick has been tested. And I guarantee you, of course, neither of those things are the case. Let's say that all the numbers that you have are accurate and only 2% of people die and those people tend to be older and they have comorbidities. Let's, let's grant everything that you're saying. 2%. Okay. 2% is not great for something that spreads this fast and this widely, right? Because this thing, it's almost like it's been engineered to spread, right? Because it's sim you're asymptomatic. You're a carrier for a week or two or more, uh, just spreading things around, right? And then it comes on very fast. It's pretty savage. And But here's the thing. The 98%, even if everything that you're saying is true and it's only got a 2% death rate, the whole point is that society can't handle a 2% death rate because it overwhelms the medical system and then other people will die. You won't have enough ventilators. You won't have enough ICU. You won't have enough doctors. You won't have enough nurses, especially because the nurses themselves are getting sick quite a bit. Here's the other thing, too. This is another thing around, is it time to go back to work? Well, yeah, because a lot of what are called elective surgeries, optional surgeries, they're not occurring. And these are things like cancer surgeries and so on. Some of those are not occurring. How many people are going to die? But of course, when a coronavirus patient dies, it's like, coronavirus patient dies. When someone dies in six months or a year because they didn't get the cancer surgery right now, it's kind of lost in the shuffle. That's the scene versus the unseen. I see the unseen. I don't care about the scene. Everyone sees that, right? Is Plato's allegory of the cave actually a blueprint for how to control a society? No, it's a mournful elegy for what it's like to be somebody who has their eyes open in the world. Um... Your favorite TV series of your childhood? I thought Happy Days was pretty funny, and I liked Gilligan's Island. I found kind of funny when I was a kid, right? Uh, why is Steph not with PayPal? Because they kicked me off. Like, I get demonetized on YouTube. I get kicked off of PayPal, and right? I mean, what can I tell you, right? It's a decision they made. 
Uh, right. ERs are not full. Even doctors are coming out and telling the truth. Yeah, that's true. Um, the doctors are saying that the ERs are not full. Yeah, guess what? Pandemics don't occur everywhere equally all the time. Aren't you a genius? Um, what can we do to hold China accountable? Well, I think India is suing. I think there's another lawsuit that's been launched. I think it's in Texas. So uh, you can't hold China. You, if you try to hold China accountable, let's say that through some miracle, China is held accountable and they decide to actually pay whatever trillions of dollars people are asking. Well, all they'll do is just raise taxes on people and sell more organs on <laughs> live organs on the market. I shouldn't laugh about that. It's about the nastiest thing on the planet. But um, you can't get money from governments. They'll just print more. I mean, just devalue it. You understand, right? I mean, here's how sociopathic the CCP is. Like, can you imagine you, um, through your actions, your neighbor gets sick and loses his job and, and goes heavily into debt and is really wretched and because you did something that made him sick. And then you march over, you bang on his door, and you demand he pay you back some money he borrowed from you last year. I mean, how sociopathic would you be for that, right? I want that money back. It's like, hey, man, you made me sick. Well, of course, this is China demanding interest in all the bonds they hold from countries around the world, right? So, I mean, they're not going to pay. I mean, uh, my company refuses to let me work remote, even though I'm a software developer. How to handle that? Well, I don't know, but I'm a big fan of the masks thing these days. Do you know why? Because the government agency said they weren't helpful, and that is how you know. Were you sick in the last six months? I was not. I had one sore throat that lasted like from three in the morning until noon. And that's it, man. That's it for me. So somebody says there's a lawsuit in California as well, a huge one. So how long can we expect half the economy to remain shut down before social instability creeps in? Well, uh, it, it's, I hope people would take my advice. It, you go back. Everyone should go back to work and wear masks like crazy, wash their hands like crazy, and all of that, right? Have you ever seen the movie Glen Gary, Glen Ross? I have. Incoming hyperinflation. Well, that's a big problem, right? So they give you twelve hundred bucks, and they'll take twenty four hundred bucks back from hyperinflation. So yeah, that's kind of inevitable right now, right? Let's see here. Will the real origin of COVID ever be revealed and widely recognized? Uh, I think the odds are low. Certainly, the I mean, they seem to have left enough of a paper trail that there's some pretty significant indicators. But you know, of course, they just they just kill everyone and 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 disappear all the paperwork that might have anything to do with it. So, I think that the only chance is the uh, is the internet, right? So. Beige says, I've had a hardcore sore throat since October, and the doctor gave me antibiotics. Nothing works. Oh, I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry about that. That's very... Do you know what you need to teach philosophy? You need brass balls. <laughs> brass balls were so last year. It's titanium or go home these days, right? Thoughts on Michael David's coverage of you? No idea. No idea. All right. Um... COVID is a marketing name. Yeah. Communist virus disease. C-O-V-I-D. Communist virus disease. Do you think Huang Langling is dead? Yes. What was the last movie you watched as a family? We don't really watch movies. Um, my wife and my daughter are watching a, a pretty uh, traditional series on, on TV, which is kind of cool. 
Uh, let's see here. The long-term economic damage will be immense. Well, not necessarily, because, look, we were on a downward trend anyway, right? I mean, there was demographic disaster. There was debt disaster. Um, we've jumped the tracks. So COVID has allowed us to jump the tracks, whether we can make off on our own or whether we can turn this train into a car, so to speak, or a helicopter and make off on our own. But where we were heading was complete, unmitigated, total, wretched civil war disaster. That's what where we were heading in the West. Because multiculturalism, multiracialism, and so on, it's just a fantasy held aloft by endless debt. And then when the money runs out, people turn on each other, tribalism returns, and the brutality commences. That's what the communists, why the communists are always trying to foment racial divisions and, and get some races to hate other races and other races to be fearful of other races. And so the communist fomenting of these divisions and race hatreds and race baiting and so on was going to cash in when the government ran out of money. So where we were heading was a complete and total disaster, the end of the West. Not even as we know it, just period. And so uh, horrifying though coronavirus is, it does give us a chance to shake our head and reassess, right? All uh, right. It's safe to say that any trust and confidence in China to manufacture the world's goods is dead. Yeah, of course. We have to bring it back. You have to bring it back. Uh, please stop repeating all these questions. If I've chosen not to read it uh, and chosen not to do it, I've chosen not to do it. Owen Benjamin needs to quit drinking? He doesn't drink, does he? He's a dad. I hope not. Come for a vacation in Greece whenever you can. I would love to come to Greece. I would really, really love to come to Greece. Security guards who work for Walmart have been asked not to wear masks or gloves. What are your thoughts? I don't know. I guess people still aren't taking this seriously in management. I mean, are they just thinking, well, people will be upset or scared to come in? I don't know. What are your thoughts about Brazil and the worldwide scenario? We live here in China. It's dominating big here, too. Yeah, well, you know, um, China has been worming its way into institutions, into real estate, into business, into academia. Man, they got tentacles all over the place. There's more tentacles than a Japanese anime sex cartoon that I know nothing about. I just watched an episode of Working Moms. Anyway, so... Um, if you're in your 20s, you have virtually zero chance of dying from this virus unless you have a serious underlying Ill illness. I believe that is true, but uh, people still die. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, I get it. Have you ever done hallucinogens? No, I have not. Hello from South Africa. Good morning. Good morning to you as well. Should we wear masks when going on dates? Uh, yeah. I think so. I think so. My 22-year-old daughter is a student at California University. She is a beautiful, oh, what was that? Hispanic Native American, and she's so angry, and so am I. It is really bad. Well, Jacqueline, what do you mean about that? Uh, would you consider going to the Congo one day and investigating rare earth minerals? <laughs> really would not actually consider going to the Congo, i got to tell you. Uh, there's a lot of things that are complicated. That one is not one of them. Don't use vape. You will die from corona. Well, I wouldn't say... Don't vape anyway. Just don't vape in general, right? Is he taking questions from the stream chat? Uh, yes. Have you ever stayed awake for 40 hours? I stayed awake three days straight um, to finish a software. Should we have sex with masks? No. They don't have any holes in them. Come on. Uh, right. Have you, tr you should have tried drugs at least. No, thanks. I don't really want to. Uh, I, uh, I don't... Uh, I don't want to do any drugs. Um, either I don't like them, in which case why do them, or I do like them, in which case I'll miss them. I don't see any benefit. And also, I've got a pretty 
pretty pretty good circus going on up here. I don't want to throw any extra plates on the spinning plate guy. All right. Mormon sheet sex. <laughs> Isn't that Hasidic too? What's your view on Jung? On Jung, sorry. Esoteric or the way forward? Uh, well, both in a, in a way, right? So, do you drink beer? I will have a light beer from time to time. But uh, not really, no. Um, would you advertise a Minecraft server that teaches kids economy 101? Uh, no. Uh, I, you know, the, I get so many contacts from people who are like, hey, man, uh, do you want to advertise this for me or do you want to promote this for me? And it's like, mm, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I don't have time to review this stuff. I really, really don't. So I'm sorry. So you have done drugs. Uh, oh, like a light beer? Ooh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a madman. Pretty much, uh, I'm in Hunter S. Thompson territory, right? What can we do that would make Steph proud? You know, live rationally, live courageously, and think for yourselves and all of that. Steph, did you ever choke on a penalty kick? I'm not too bad with that kind of stressors. So, yeah, it's not too bad. Will you ever appear on Joe Rogan's podcast if you haven't already? I was on Joe Rogan's podcast um, gosh, five or six years ago, I was on three times in a relatively short period of time. First two times were great. Uh, last time, uh, he got cucked and ended up beating me up, so to speak, for some uh, woman from, oh gosh, what's her name? Uh, Kasparian. Anna Kasparian from the Young Turks told him to turn on me, and he went, okay. Cause so anyway, uh, I don't know. And uh, uh, best book intro to philosophy? Well, um, Essential Philosophy, which you can get for free at EssentialPhilosophy.com. Uh, okay, last couple of questions. Yeah, it's getting late. Wow, 19 minutes to midnight. Books that have had a huge impact on your life? I can't really do that on the fly, so I'll do that at some point, right? Thoughts on Canadian gun laws? Well, the liberals are coming, and Canadians should be able to um, own guns. I'm buying Bitcoin with my government money. <laughs> Caffeine is a drug. Sugar is a drug. Alcohol is a drug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. Give me a ridiculous, right? Um, you know, uh, there's a certain amount of lead that you could eat and you're fine and bullet to the head is just lead. Are you oddly attracted to Abby Martin, even though she's an idiot? Oh, wait, that's me. I was actually on Abby Martin's show many, many years ago. She probably would never have me on now, but, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know about her. Would you ever debate E. Michael Jones? Oh, is that the, the Jewish question? It would take, I mean, no, it would take me so long to get up to speed on his stuff that I don't really think so. Thank you for the story of your enslavement. Uh, well, you're welcome, and I wish I could do more of those, but unfortunately, uh, um, it's gotten really crazy with the copyright stuff. How come you did the gaming today, Steph? Uh, because I like to game, and it's actually kind of fun to game while chatting with people. Abby Martin equals erection killer. Uh, well, I will take your word for that. Joe Rogan is a murderous, commie-loving numbskull. Um, I don't agree with all of those. <laughs> what do you think of Tolstoy? Uh, never, never been a fan. Can you do a video discussing the presidency of Franklin Pierce? I really don't think so. All right. I'm amused by your Doom videos. What's your favorite video game of all time? It's a good question. Probably Skyrim. Uh, have you ever done a video critique of the Communist Manifesto? Well, I will put this out soon, but a, um, uh, I've done a read-through of the first part of the Communist Manifesto explaining it to my daughter, so... Should children be mandated to read Lord of the Flies, or should I just have them watch Children of the Corn? Uh, you know, have them read Lord of the Flies. Uh, that's, uh, you know, or wait for another week or two if we don't go back to work. 
All right. What Simpsons character are you? Apu. <laughs> it's the only one that seems to have a reasonable job. Starcraft 2 is too hard. I'd be happy to teach you. Oh, I, I wish I had the time. I wish I had the time. Is there a philosopher to avoid? Lots. I will get into that one day, right? Uh, how does UFC connect with the non-aggression principle? Well, they're all in there voluntarily, right? Dostoevsky is much more interesting to read than Tolstoy. Oh, absolutely, man. Dostoevsky is fantastic. Fantastic. Commander, Atari 2600. <laughs> What's next from Asia? Uh, economic and cultural infiltration from China. We're getting lonely on Discord. Oh, did I miss some Discord questions? Uh -huh. I don't see any Discord questions. Do I? Do I? There's a whole live stream thing here. Let me just go and check that because, you know, they are the people who keep me in uh, in um, laundry detergent for my undies. All right. Serious discussion, series and opinions, food chat. Wow, we got some new categories. Media, off topic. Didn't we have a uh, live stream uh, thing going on? Am I even on the right? Oh, I'm not on the right one. Oh, I wasn't even on the right server. Well, that'll do it. That's what happens when I do it late. Oh, it looks like... Uh... Oh, live stream questions. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Sorry about all of this. Uh, let me get to the bottom here. My apologies. I was on the I was on the wrong server. My apologies. All right. Alcohol is actually the worst drug. Uh, yeah, alcohol can be really, really bad for sure. Really bad. Anna Kasparian ordered Joe Rogan to attack Steph. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what happened. And uh, and you know, uh, Joe Rogan was like, uh, "Hey man, I love you. Love your work. Anything I can do to help?" And then you know, it was basically just called me down. It was a total ambush and out of nowhere. And that's uh, a mess, right? Don't do drugs. There are enough. Rogan's out there in the world. Okay, you guys got to let the Rogan thing go. It's been been a long time. All right. Um, that was a long way to say hentai. Uh, inflation is definitely going to be bad. I think so, yeah. I think it could be. All right, rant time. All right. Um, so sorry. I, uh, I missed some of these questions, and now I'm a little tired. All right. So listen, um, thank you so much. Oh, sorry. If you accidentally pass coronavirus to a family member, how would you get over the guilt? I uh, don't. If it's an accident, I don't know what you'd have to be. You'd feel bad, obviously, but I don't know what you'd feel guilty about. So, um, how long should the population tolerate draconian COVID measures? I think that you should um, should push back, and um, I think all that. Right. So let's see here. You have the same haircut as Joe Rogan. <laughs> Such a great bold joke. It's like all the people, like when I do a video, I, I do a show with someone, I don't have video for them, and then put them up. You wouldn't believe how many people are like, he's a really good ventriloquist. Wow, he did the whole interview without moving his lips. <laughs> Everybody thinks that they're so original. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, so much. Uh, a great uh, evening. I really appreciate your attention. Please share this. Uh, I hope that we can have some effect. I know there's some fairly important people watch this show. And look at that. I didn't choke the uh, the whole presentation. I uh, didn't choke the goal. So, uh, yeah. Thanks, everyone, so much. Have yourselves a great, great evening. And uh, I love you guys. Uh, it is a great pleasure to chat with you. It's a great pleasure to be front and center in bringing this amount or degree of philosophy to the world. And look at that. 
We made it for an hour 45 and only dropped 360 frames. Wait. 361. Yeah, that's right. Stephbot's out with a dad joke. Stay safe, my friends. Get some masks. And hopefully we can all back, get back to work. Take care. Bye.